Based on real events, I'm your host, Mr. EJ Gullet, out here in Los Angeles, California, and with me always, and usually doing this intro format, is Mr. Jay Kington. <laughs> See what you got, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? Not too much, bud. Anything new with you? Um, let's see. No, not this week, man. Just a lot of work, actually. I think you're the same way. Yeah, it's been just nonstop go, go, go with the work and then extracurriculars after work. And so it's literally been like two weeks of like, holy crap, like I cannot wait just to get, I can't wait for this weekend just to have a breather for a second. Yep. I'm the same. Well, you, you say a breather, but you have a three-year-old son that you're going to have to take trick-or-treating, I'm guessing. Yes. Yes, we are. He's going to be uh, the green ninja from the Ninja Go Lego series. And I'm going to be Baymax from Big Hero 6. I cannot wait to see these pictures. Cannot so wait to I, see I, that. Yeah, I bought a Baymax. Like, it's like, it has like the inflatable fans on it. So like, it's <laughs> massively big. You know who Baymax is, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So it gets like huge. And I bought it for his birthday. And I, and I got my buddy, oh, you know, Greg. I got, I got Greg to uh, to wear Baymax um, to his, uh, his birthday party. He like just was geeking out over it. So uh, I'm going to do that. But I, I bought some like... Uh, there's a store called five below it's like a high class dollar mm-hmm. store where everything is five dollars or below uh, mm-hmm. and i got like these these like little like they're almost like like maybe nine or ten inch like led lights and you can like stand them up like i put them behind the tv just to give like a glow off but i'm gonna like put those on my side and like have them changing color so it's gonna be like this big baymax that's just morphing colors walking around the neighborhood this is a lot of fun. I really like this here, and it's very safe. I like your uh, LED light idea. Well, and the good thing is, like, it's it'll keep me like really cool because the fans are in there because it's still hot as hell down here in Florida. Oh, that's true. So you're gonna be even better off than Quinn is on the streets there, man. That's killer. Hopefully, hopefully. What are you being for Halloween? Uh, honestly, man, I don't really have anything in mind. Some or uh, <laughs> Kate's sister asked me. She was like. I guess she's doing Moira from Schitt's Creek and was like, you should be David. And then we'll get like the whole Schitt's Creek family going. Here. Oh, see, like, that, that's a good idea, man. That, that's a pretty good idea. I like that. Well, like Chloe loves that show. I'm, I'm not too big on it, but uh, I just haven't watched it enough to, I guess, get hooked. But like, it's like sweeping the nation. It's insane. Uh, it, it is. I mean, it's, they, they won all those Emmys and then they just decided to put on every platform and myself got stuck. To, like everyone and myself got sucked into it. And I, I mean, it's on my list. Watch this right now. Like season four right now, it is, you just keep going, man. It gets it gets hilarious. Like I can't stop cracking up at it. All right, I'll have to give it. A, I'll have to give it a more honest go. I think you'll enjoy it. But actually, this kind of nice segue into uh, our first format, uh, Mr. J. Kington. What are you watching right now? Oh man, so nothing new. Um, I've been trying to wrap up Haunting of Bly Manor, which it's like a love hate show for me right now. Um, we have like two more episodes left. And then I started watching, or we, we, we watched actually, uh, over like two nights, My Octopus Teacher, which is a really interesting um, documentary about a man and his octopus friend. And uh, it got a little strange. At, point, at one point, I was like, yo, he's not going to like try and like fuck this octopus, is he? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
Besides that, I've been watching this show, which is on HBO Max, called Muck City. It's about um, like Pahokee and, and, and Belle Glade. There are two, uh, two like neighboring cities, like on the south end of Lake Okeechobee. So about like a, maybe like an hour and a half north of where I am, and it's where uh-huh. like several like football stars have come from it's just like this country little town and there's like a total of like three thousand people there's two schools pahokee and, and, and glade central but they referred like to the whole area collectively as muck city and uh there's like a bunch of farmers there's like kind of country folk over there but uh i always heard stories like about glade like they chase rabbits in the field and that's like why the receivers are so quick and can cut so fast but uh, they like it's where Anquan Bolden was from, like Santonio Holmes, who was like a Super Bowl MVP, and and, and a ton of other players. So uh, it's like a city of maybe not three thousand, maybe it was thirty thousand, but it it has the most um, NFL Shit. players of any city in the in the country, and it's such a small little town. Um, and we also uh, we finished up Lovecraft Country, just a, all all in all, like really fun, really good show. And and that's basically what I've been watching, man. Uh, what, what have you been watching? Uh, you have a good list here. Lovecraft Country is definitely on my list. I was reading your list earlier, and I saw Muck City, too, and I was like, oh, is that like a Pokemon show? That's where my non-sports ass went right there. That's <laughs> no, pretty good. I mean, I've only like watched like the first episode, but pretty good show. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a series. Got it. Okay. So, yeah, what, like about a, 10 episodes? I'm a sucker for those sports series, like, in, like behind the, the scenes kind of of a sports team over like a season or whatever. So, uh you know, it's a, it's a ride up my alley. And plus a lot of the players go to Florida state or Miami or, or, or university of Florida. So, uh, always, you know, relevant being down here with, uh, with all the football rivalries in the state of Florida. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, it sounds very interesting and something I'd definitely watch. It's just not something I'd ever like search out. So yeah. good suggestion. I, I, there. Dude, I saw an ad for it on Facebook, I think. And I was like, Oh, that's dope. Like I always wanted to know more about this and, uh, just start watching it. I'll have to check it out. Uh, as far as me, man, I'm just watching uh, Mandalorian season one, kind of prepping tomorrow. Uh, season two drops uh, as of right now, I guess today, since this will be episodes coming out tomorrow. Uh, Shit's Creek still season four. Uh, if you haven't watched it, please watch. And I really have not had time for much anything else this week. It's been kind of a crazy work week, but uh, tonight after this, I am watching Halloween because it's Halloween week, baby, and you gotta you gotta Hell put that yeah. on the list. Classics, so classic and shout out because they dropped the teaser for Halloween kills today, which was supposed to come out uh, actually a few weeks ago, but they uh, pushed it to next year due to COVID, but Halloween kills, baby. Can't wait for it next year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, but Jay, please tell us why we're actually here tonight. Oh, we are here to cover because it is spooky season with Halloween. Ugh. <laughs> with Halloween, uh, what? Uh, shoot, I don't know. Two days away from this recording, uh, we are going to be covering one of the uh, kind of biggest horror movies of the previous, I'd say, ten years, and probably one of the best horror movies. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say all time. Uh, you did share an article uh, that uh, scariest movies. What I showed you scariest movies based on average heart rate, and this was the number one. No, no, no. This was not number one. Sinister was number one, but oh, yeah, this yeah, was yeah, up yeah. there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sinister is another great one. Yeah, it but is. But we could tie that into a real event because, you know, Bagul is a is a real demonic entity. So we, 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 we could do that one. Oh, day. we're going to do it. I, I've been wanting to rewatch that movie. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so good, man. But 
equally actually i love sinister but i love this movie more and we are talking about some that we are both very excited about i think i can speak for us both when we say it is our favorite horror movie of all horror movies uh we are talking about the conjuring today in the true story and uh haunting in events that took place to the perrin family in rhode island i'm so excited for this i've been waiting for this Ever since we talked about it like a year ago, so yeah, uh, yeah, very excited to get jump in. And I learned a lot, a lot about this uh, true story. So it is um, a very fascinating and scary story, uh, and going to be a two-parter as we are going to cover tonight the Perrin family and their experiences in the house. And then our next episode, we will dive into the paranormal investigation and introduce us to the Warrens, who are heavily used throughout the Conjuring and. It's also based on their case files, so why wouldn't it be? But yes, excited also, to dive the, in. The the Amityville Horror as well, which they have in the Amityville Horror on in, in this you know, in this Conjuring universe. But uh, to be perfectly fair, I do want to give a disclaimer because we try to give you the real story behind the actual you know movie or events that happen. Now, there are a few facts that are quote-unquote disputed between, you know, scientists or, like, historians. In this movie? In, in, the, in the actual story. Now, these are, like, minimal, but we're going to tell you uh, basically the, the, from the, the historians in the town and, and uh, the perceived image of some of the characters involved in this. But most of this is, is actually pretty spot-on uh, real. Uh, you don't have this many witnesses without something being uh, pretty significant. Uh, so we're going to, uh, for the sake of not you know telling you Really, because, again, they're very small, kind of petty things. And it's spooky season, so we're not even going to get into it. Uh, we are going to give you the best version of the story uh, that we possibly can. And uh, how we're going to break this down is this episode, part one, is going to be uh, a quick, uh, basically, synopsis of the plot of the movie. And then we're going to go ahead and get into uh, the actual family, their experiences in the house, uh, the history of the uh, the estate rather not just house but the estate and then on the second episode we're going to get into more of the actual paranormal investigation and uh you know resulting um stuff to have come out since then that's right yeah and it's uh it's it as jay said is very true uh very to the point and uh james wan really did you know of course he took some uh, you know, liberties to the story, but it is very scary and what happened to them in real life. So uh, I'm excited yes. to, to learn about them a little bit more tonight. Correct. I would say probably about 80% um, accuracy of the, uh, the true story that was portrayed in the movie. And then of course, you know, your typical Hollywood kind of bolstering that 20% just to kind of up the uh, suspense and, and scare factor. Uh, and all that stuff, but just such a great, great movie. If you haven't watched it, um, you know, I, I don't know why you're watching this episode if you haven't watched it, but, uh, you know, maybe you, you want to learn about it first and then go ahead and check it out because it's, uh, it's a very good movie. Um, if you can watch it alone by yourself, props to you. This is a, a movie that uh, was really 
something, you know, there are there are those movies that you need to see in theaters, right? And this was kind of one of those. So, you know, make sure you got a pretty decent sound system, a little surround sound, maybe a nice sound bar with directional audio, because it is a, this is what horror enthusiasts love. This is a movie that evokes uh, fear, scares, jumps, dread, uh, torment, um, anxiousness. It, 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 it brings a lot out of you, and it's such a fun ride. That's right, man. And, and I love that, that uh, idea that you're saying there of uh, you know, getting a great surround sound system. Shout out to our partner, Sony. Uh, this year, go get you a great sound bar. Uh, you know, we're going to build them later. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and you know, yeah, definitely. Like it it is one of those movies where the audio and the highest quality possible that you can watch it is, is absolutely true. Um, and you know, with that being, being said, let's kind of dive into, uh, you know, who these, these people are in the family. So who, who are the parent family? So the parent family, uh, consists of um, seven members. Okay, uh, we have Carolyn Perrin, who's the mother. Roger Perrin, the father. Andrea Perrin is uh, one of the children. Uh, Christine Perrin, another child. Nancy Perrin, another child. April Perrin and Cynthia Perrin. So uh, we're talking about all girls. Basically. Yeah, it sounds like Roger tried five times to get a boy and just couldn't do it, and he was like, "Fuck it." Yeah, yeah, he just he just he just gave up on it. <laughs> and uh, so, I, I guess, do you want to give them a quick synopsis of the plot before we get into the actual story? Uh, I feel like if you if you if you're here, you've seen this movie, you know what it's about. Um, but I guess you know, quick synopsis here would be. I mean, if you know it better than I could, I mean, you might be able to recite this a little bit better than me. But uh, sure, um, very quick, off the top, uh, family, uh, you know, kind of, you know, tired of life, I guess, in the city, wants to go ahead and, uh, you know, find a, a bigger, you know, property house in, in the country and live a, a little bit more of a simpler life. So they end up uh, purchasing a property, not knowing really anything about it, uh, move in there with the family, and then, um, you know, very soon after they moved in, very strange occurrences happen which we're going to cover. So we're not going to go into detail there. Um, and, you know, it, it just involves with a, basically a haunting of a whole family um, to the point where they call in, uh, you know, world-renowned, famous paranormal investigators, love them or hate them. It's kind of a split uh, split thought on, on, the, on the, the Warrens. Um, and then, you know, how they uh, try to um, handle the, the spirits, if you will, uh, Without giving away too much detail, that's basically what you need to know. Um, so we'll go ahead and, and, and get into this, right? So, again, uh, seven family members, two parents, five daughters, right? So uh, we're going to start with just with the move into the house. So in the winter of 1970, the Perrin family decided to make a change and live a life in the country. Moving into what is known as the Old Arnold Estate, which is a basically like a farmhouse that was built in 1736 on a sprawling 200 acres of land. So quite a bit of land. Uh, Rhode Island's not that big, so that's probably about 60% of the, the state that they moved <laughs> into. 
Sorry if we have any listeners from Rhode Island. Uh, but Roger and Carolyn Perrin purchased uh, a beautiful farmhouse uh, in Harrisville, Rhode Island, where they and their five daughters live for the next uh, nine, nine to ten years. Um, Nancy and Christine shared a room. Andrea had her own room. And Cindy and April would also share a room. Now, um, as time went on in the house... Uh, and it really wasn't that much time. It, it happened pretty quickly, but the parents slowly unraveled. Um, well, I guess instances happened rather quickly. Uh, unraveling the history of the house happened a little bit later once they kind of realized what they were experiencing and not quite sure what they got themselves into. So they unraveled the history of the house and its previous inhabitants who had... Uh, several of them who passed away under very swift and uncircum, uncertain, uncircumcised, yeah, uncertain <laughs> circumstances. Um, and just kind of one thing I want to note here about this, right, is there is this theory about what a ghost or a spirit is, and there are several different takes on that. Some people think, you know, they're just they're dead people that exist. It may be in between um, a dimensional plane, or in, you know, stuck in almost between heaven and hell. Uh, but there's also this this thought that ghosts occur when someone dies so fast or unexpected that they're they don't even know they died. So basically, they die and their spirits are like out of their body and, and it happened so fast uh it's almost like they they had no idea they died and so they continue um in this uh on this level of earth uh kind of wandering and, and trying to figure things out uh, so can i that's actually really interesting you say that because that's exactly what i believe in when it comes to like ghosts and things like that um i this is gonna make me sound really weird but um like I, like I was introduced to this medium who I spoke to a while ago and she told me that she, um, she went to the site of the, the crash on 9-11 in, was it Pennsylvania? Am I saying that right? The, the uh, plane, flight 93. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, she went to that crash site and she and a bunch of other mediums helped, uh, survive or helped people who died in that plane crash crush over the what she calls the rainbow bridge um, because that's exactly what she believes in as well is that like life, like when you die suddenly, like you become confused and aren't really sure where you are. So like she went to that field and helped lost souls get to cross the bridge, which I was like, that's fucking incredible to hear. But um, yeah, yeah. you well, just remind yeah, me of that right there. But you know, just to, just to counter that, that statement. I feel <laughs> it's like it's one thing people, I believe in. Yeah. I feel like most people on that plane knew they were going to die. Um, but when you when you die suddenly like that, I mean, like yeah, yeah. And and what I'm talking about is like a, a, a slip and fall, like and you break your neck instantly, or maybe you're not looking and hit by a car, or something like that, where you're like you can't even process that you, that you're in a danger of dying. But uh, that's a pretty pretty. I'm gonna have to like look that up. That's actually that's actually pretty um, fascinating. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you know, as time went on and experiences started to occur the 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 findings of the parents you know they they they, what they were finding out about the the arnold estate and the previous occupants uh was grim it was you know pretty grisly and they probably could have managed to stay at the house for even longer and potentially lived out their entire lives 
uh, had it not been for a certain few spirits who continued to linger in their house long after their deaths. There were several spirits, uh, several. Uh, we're probably talking upwards of uh, probably over 10, if not more. Um, there were a few that were very bad. So paranormal activity uh, picked up almost immediately after moving into their house. Okay. It started with bedroom doors opening randomly. And, you know, the girls um, were thinking they were playing pranks on each other, right? So something would happen and one of the daughters would blame the other daughter, say, you know, oh, you're messing with me. Like, stop doing this, whatever, whatever. And then the girls started to see a young boy wandering throughout the house. Many times it would move their toys around, so they'd kind of leave, come back, and everything would be rearranged or not where they left it. Uh, even Carolyn, the mother, started noticing strange occurrences as well, noticing that household items like uh, like the broom would be in a different location than she remembered leaving it. Uh, she even reported you know, hearing the sound of the broom bristles scratching across the floor and would find piles of dirt at the center of rooms on the floor, almost like a ghost was sweeping dirt up. Honestly, um, that doesn't even sound like that bad of a problem. Like, you got somebody doing your chores for the house around you. Like, that sounds great. Yeah, so, yeah, I'd so, like one so, of those ghosts. Yeah, so many of these spirits were actually kind, you know, and, and, and would try and, and, and almost help them. Um, another entity made itself known to the girls as well, and this was a man with a crooked smile who would often <laughs> appear in the corners of their rooms, watching the girls as they played, and they ended up naming this spirit Manny. So was this really was this ghost movie. in the movie? Like, was was he? No, no. Represented? Really, no. In the, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, in the movie, you have the main one, which we'll get into, which you you know exactly who I'm talking about. Right. Um, and then there, there was that time where like they were in the kitchen and like you saw something, almost looked like a maid. Like a maid, yeah. yeah. And, and then there was like the spinning mirror, and then that was like the boy who was like the little girls. I think it was. Yeah. So yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Cynthia's. Wow. Yeah, no, that's so right. I guess that's like the, the interpretation. The of, yeah, 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 like I guess that's the interpretation of the boy right there. That's cool. Nice, nice. I, I yeah, I, I just connected those dots. Very cool. Um, so again, so this man with the crooked smile would sit in the corner of the room, kind of watching the girls play. Um, they named him, they named him Manny, and, and again, it's very important. It's like most of the spirits were were benign. That you know they were they were actually again kind and trying to help them. So maybe Manny, in some aspect, was watching them play, almost trying to protect them, right? Now, Roger and Carolyn, like most parents, would, would not have believed their stories that the daughters were telling them had they not experienced some of these spirits firsthand. And as is often in, in many hauntings, the paranormal activity only picked up from here as the ghosts became more involved and active, right? And so this is where it starts to pick up a bit. Beds were reported to have levitated a few inches off the ground. Furniture would glide across the floors all on their own. The doors would often open and then slam shut. Pictures would be uh, kind of thrown off walls or fall to the ground very often. So, uh, you know, you could probably chalk that one up to maybe, you know, a city boy moving out to the country and not being too handy with like a, a nail and hammer and not being able to hang a picture. But uh, I guess, you know, a lot of stuff was falling off the walls. Now, 
over time, again, they started to learn more and more about the history of the house. They started to uncover more, almost like an onion, just kind of peeling layer by layer back and, and learning about the previous occupancies of uh, the Arnold estate, the old Arnold estate is what it's called. <clears throat> and what they were finding turned out to be darker than they could have really ever imagined. Despite the grim history of the house and land, Many of the spirits were kind to the parent family and really did not cause any issues. This all changed when other spirits of the Arnold estate made their presence known. So this is like, um, think of it like a housewarming party, right? You know, you're going to have <laughs> all your neighbors coming up and, you know, most of them are good. But, uh, you know, you got, you got that one neighbor who, who might be a little nosy, might be a little snooty. And uh, that, that's the type of type of situation the parents are kind of finding themselves in now is we're going to see this stuff escalate, which, again, happens in, in many hauntings or poltergeist situations. And, um, you know, even in our personal experiences of, of stuff we haven't really talked that much on, on the podcast about, but, you know, it kind of picks up now. There's also a point to be said that the more you buy into something or the more you feed into it, the more you kind of freak yourself out and almost manifest stuff in, in your own head, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's something that you kind of, uh, build up over time and like you start to believe it. Like, I mean, yeah. you, Jay, you and I have our own ghost story that we could talk about one day on here. Like I still no, that, that's, question that's that. Literally, that's literally what I was talking about. That's exactly what I was referencing. Right. Um, <laughs> And uh, it, it's it's like um, you know. So are you saying actually? Now I need to go back. Are you saying you don't know if you believe that story? No, I was saying like we have our own instances where like it picks up like the the more it goes on. Yeah. Um, no, but, but well, it, it's kind of hand in hand with um, is someone robbing a car outside? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. There's I live in a uh, bad part of town. I'm trying to buy a house right now, and hopefully you won't hear that ever again. <laughs> all good, all good. Uh, but I, I think this is kind of similar to, you know, they say, like, you're not likely to get possessed if you're not religious, right? Like, you have to have a, a serious belief of demons and stuff. I want to say that was almost like in, like, the true story of, of the, the exorcism of Emily Rose. So, you know, there is something to be, to be said about that. Although, again, when you have this many family members reporting stuff and outsiders coming in reporting stuff, uh, you know, there's got to be something, right? But, but there's there's got to be some credibility. Somewhere. Yeah, exactly. There's got to be some credibility to it somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, as these other presents started to make themselves known, right, that's when things started to get pretty, uh, pretty scary, pretty creepy, pretty sketchy. Uh, in the nighttime, the parent girls, so the children began to have, you know, uh, experience with, a, with a, an unwelcomed uh, spirit, uh, in their bedrooms, they would, they would sometimes feel someone or something yanking their legs or even pulling their hair while they slept. And and again, you know, these are younger, you know, children, um, and they thought it was just their siblings playing playing pranks on them. So you know, there were some like they'd wake up and start yelling at their sister for the the you know the the two or four of them were sharing rooms. So uh, you have one room with two girls and another room with two girls, and the the fifth child was in a room of their own so you know the room where the girls are together like they're gonna wake up and, and you know kind of blame their sister or whatever right uh but 
of course the other one would wake up and you know it wasn't me i didn't do anything i, I was sleeping what are you talking about right um so they're blaming each other for playing pranks on on one another and, and that is until one of the spirits started tormenting cindy who was only eight years old at the time this spirit would whisper to her over and over that there were dead soldiers oh. buried in the walls of the house now that's fucking what yeah, yeah. But to be fair, I, I didn't really find too much information around this. I mean, this house was built in like 1736. So, you know, we're talking about the Revolutionary War. We're talking about the uh, British America. Well, basically the Revolutionary War Two, almost in like 1812, War of 1812. And then we're also talking about um, the Civil War and, and you know, probably wars with Mexico as well. So, I, you know. We're in Rhode Island, so Rhode Island, I would say, kind of the Northeast, probably definitely involved in the Revolutionary War. Um, not far from, from where the Civil War, you know, would be or could be. So um, that is, is a possibility that there were some soldiers that died on the property during the wars, but there's not much to validate that that aspect on it. But still very creepy for an eight-year-old to be hearing and claiming a ghost is whispering that to her. Hell yeah, dude. No no, no child can have that active of an imagination. Like, if my child was telling me that, I'd be like, we're moving. We're out of here. We're done. I'm not, I'm not staying here. No, I got to deal with that. Yeah, well, I mean, like, how many eight-year-old girls are even, like, you know, to are even focused on, like, wars or soldiers? Like, it's more of a boy <laughs> thing anyway, right? So, like, it's just, just kind of sketchy now. Of all the experiences that the family had at the old Arnold estate, there was one particular ghost that the parent family would never speak about in detail and uh, this spirit uh, may have even molested uh, the girls according to Andrea Perrin who wrote three books on the family experiences at the house which would make sense as to why they don't want to speak about that because that is um, you know something very very personable personal as far as you know molestation but um, that wasn't the only evil entity and that was not the the most evil uh, unfortunately um, a molesting ghost is is not the worst evil in this situation there's uh, even worse who to uh, thunk it yeah but there's a, a well-known uh, became a well-known staple of the old Arnold estate and this is a uh, the ghost known as Bathsheba. Okay. Um, and I know you kind of want to want to bring it to the movie here. So what, uh, what do you want to add on that? Well, I mean, that is, that is the main demon that you deal with in the house. Like, I think the thing that I'm, I'm really loving that James Wan did with this movie and it feels respectful and I get why the family endorsed this movie after they, you know, they, they were heavily involved in this movie along with Lorraine Warren uh, when, when they were filming this. So I think the thing that James Wan did so well was connect everything in such like a respectful way, like even up to the point of like how we were talking about things were moved around in the house. Like that can just easily be pinpointed back to all of the mirrors falling at once in the house like that can just easily be pinpointed to that of just like that uh, like encapsulates everything that they felt with all furniture moving kind of deal. Um, but anyway, Bathsheba, she is clearly the demon in this film. Um, yeah, she's the star demon, I guess. And she's the star demon. There's a weird or dark ghost. history I to her. I think 
ghosts would be the the proper term because demons are technically not. Um, That's their true. Own, they're their own demonic entities. They're not um, people that have passed on this earth. They are uh, old, old uh, entities. But there's a whole we can do a whole episode on that. So if you nerds want to learn it, go go Google. <laughs> But yeah, exactly. And like, it's like Bathsheba is a, her history alone of like, you know, being tied to witchcraft, stuff like that is very um, fascinating. And it's very well told in this movie as well, because it, it, it's something that they don't shy away from. Uh, and I'm glad they don't. I'm glad they didn't make up another ghost or anything like that. I'm glad they stuck with this. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and you know, we'll kind of get into, you know, her suspected witchcraft uh, you know, but before we, we, we do, it's it's really important to understand the the time period uh, of this not 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 the the haunting that we're we're going to be covering, but the actual just time of when you know the previous occupants lived in this house, and we're going to get into Bathsheba's past, because she was a real person, but remember, I mean, this house was built in 1736, I think Bathsheba and her husband married, I want to say, like 1812 or something, so you know, the Salem witch trials took place in, in at the end of the uh, the 17th century, really, so 1692 to, to 1693, so witches were still something that many people were scared of um devil worshiping satanic cults or satanist satanism was really like one of the things most common day individuals feared right so you know back in the day there was all every town basically had like someone who they suspected of being a witch or uh you know something like that so they were just very kind of heightened and scared and that I think really kind of played into to a lot of this as well. So, according to history and in, in, in the local legends, Bathsheba Thayer married Judson Sherman uh, in the the eighteen hundreds. Eighteen twelve, I think, is the actual date. Uh, they moved into the old Arnold Estate, which, being that long ago, was probably just called the Arnold Estate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Young uh, man, Arnold Estate, they called it at that time. Yes, yes. Uh, as was common in these times, children often died in their youth due to the medical technology not being anywhere where it is today. Now, there are some people that, you know, say that they had four children, you know, with three of them dying before they were like seven or something like that. Um, and then there's ones that think they only had, they only had one child. But uh, they're, for the sake of this, we're just going to go with uh, that they had one child, so their 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 child died, um, and Bathsheba was charged with the murder of the child because the infant was uh, apparently found with its head impaled by a sharp object, and they said it was it looked like a sewing needle had been uh, pushed from the uh, I believe the back like soft spot of the soft spot of the head where the spine meets the actual uh, cranium uh, and pushed in there to the brain right so um, when they inspected the the dead baby's body they saw this and and this led the townspeople to believe that number one uh, Bathsheba murdered the child but but more importantly they believe that the murder was part of a satanic sacrifice to the devil and that Bathsheba was a practicing Satanist who summoned the devil to give her the gift of beauty. 
So I guess she was ugly as fuck. I mean, she was in the movie, so I guess they gotta yeah. just like stay true to her word. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And Actually, I found out that she's played by a guy, so that's even worse. There you go. Well, you know, there there's a, a reported picture of, of Bathsheba from from the 1800s, and she's like wearing a mask, a surgical um, mask. Yeah, yeah but no one can sure confirm that's, like, that's true or not, though. Yeah, but it, uh, you know, it could have been to to prevent like you know influenza spread or stuff like that, or maybe she was just so ugly she she wore a mask. But uh, ultimately. Bathsheba was arrested, but she was released due to insufficient evidence. So she returned to the house and lived out the rest of her life on the premises, seen as an outcast and a witch by the community, basically. Bathsheba lived until the early 20th century. So we're talking early 1900s, right? Because we're, we're behind a century because humans suck keeping time, apparently. Um, so she lived to the early 20th century before taking her own life. And she ended up hanging herself from a tree that was right outside the house. I believe it was a big, big, sturdy oak tree. Uh, now, there is one story saying that uh, when she died, her body turned to stone. Like, obviously, it's not going to turn to stone, but, like, I guess rigor mortis set in almost, like, immediately. It was just very severely hard, and then some people say uh, it was, like, almost, like, paralyzed. Um, now, it's also... You know, this is notable. It's also reported that she was involved in the death of a of a neighbor's infant who she was, you know, caring for one day. Um, and you know, the circumstances aren't, you know, too, like there's not a lot of information you can find on on that actual uh, piece of the story. But the uh, fun fact is, Bathsheba's tombstone can still be found to this day in a, a nearby cemetery to the would you go would you go would you go like look at her gra- like would you ever fuck around around it or anything like that hell yeah like if you we- know, i was thinking about that like if we took a trip up there and we split up and just tried to find the the gravestone yeah i'd be down 100 percent. ah man we should we should plan a trip to rhode island this would be a fun trip that would be sick i don't know what else you do in rhode island i assume maybe eat some seafood i, don't, I have no idea I would find some family guy stuff somewhere. The only thing I know about Rhode Island is from what I watched on me, myself, and Irene. The only thing I know about Rhode Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude. Oh, man, I forgot that's Rhode Island. I just know about it from Family Guy. That's that's the and only And from, you know, Guy Fieri taking me to Flavor Town on the Diners, <laughs> Drive-Ins, and Dives, baby. That's a shameless plug to our sponsors, Food Network. <laughs> Food Network and Guy Fieri. Uh, please. Sony and Food Network expect an invoice from us. <laughs> Uh, so yes, we're going to be taking a trip soon. That sounds like an amazing ghost trip right there. Uh, Hey, bachelor party in the cemetery. (laughs) Oh shit. That could be one day. We could go on a little ghost trip, right? That'd be fucking blacked out at her piss on her grave. I'm kidding. That's disrespectful. That's, that's what I mean though. Like we would be haunted. Like we, we would be haunted if we pissed on her grave. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But, uh, so for the parents, right. I mean, this meant that there was a malevolent, <laughs> malevolent spirit <laughs> that was refusing to leave the house and a spirit that was torturing anyone who dared to step foot on the property. Bathsheba made her presence known to every single member of the parent family. She would appear with a gray face, which is pretty spot on with the movie. It's almost like a grayish green. Um, and her head would be bent to one side as if her neck was permanently broken due to the hanging, which reminds me of the haunting of Hill House and the crooked neck lady. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. That, uh, oh man, that's still, that gave me terrors from season one. Anyway. Yeah. 
Season one was so good. Bymaner is <sighs> sketchy. Bymaner uh, sucks. <laughs> however, although every member of the parent family saw Bathsheba, only one of them became the fixation of the evil entity. That family member was Carolyn, the mother of the parent family. And this was perhaps as a way to enter her body to kill Carolyn's children as Bathsheba had done to her own child. Mm. That's now, terrifying. That is terrifying, exactly. Now, at first the attacks were small, but again, they built up from there. Carolyn would feel pinches on her skin or would sometimes feel like someone was slapping her, like an unknown hand was slapping her, even there, even though there was no one around. Now Bathsheba started to throw around numerous objects at when at Carolyn, whenever she was kind of distracted or doing something or caught off guard, she'd throw a, a book at her or whatever. Escalating further, this is where it gets pretty creepy. Escalating further, things grew steadily worse. One day, Carolyn was laying on the couch when she began to have a sharp pain shooting up her leg. So she, as any normal person would do, grabbed her leg and started inspecting it. She found a puncture wound on her calf that began to bled. And the wound looked like somebody had stabbed Carolyn with a sewing needle. Okay, that's interesting. Like, I just don't understand. Why, why the calf? Like, why? Like, what's the point of, what's the significance of that? Like, can she not strong uh, enough to I, penetrate I, anywhere else? I don't know. It's, I don't think it's, it's, it's about where the injury was. I think it's about the, the wound mark. A sewing okay. needle was what Bathsheba killed her child with so the oh, okay. similarities of her attacking carolyn with a sewing needle that's kind of the uh, the mo of that uh, that ghost all right that's that's cool what a what a shitty weapon to have but yeah, sure. right? yes, <laughs> now you know these when these ghostly tactics failed to to see the parents move out of the house right they were still staying there and part of this was because like they just moved in they were they weren't wealthy by any means. So they didn't have the money to, to move or anything. So they were kind of just stuck there with all these spirits. And again, most of them being, you know, fine and not bothering and, and some even being kind. But, you know, of course, you got a few bad apples in the bunch. Uh, so they did not move out of the house. And that's when Bethesda, uh, sorry, Bathsheba resorted to uh, one of the most extreme circumstances uh, in possessing Carolyn. Carolyn started to speak in foreign voices that clearly were not hers and she herself would be thrown around the room like a rag doll and this is when the the husband and the family really um this was like point break for them right this was just too much now it was becoming a a danger to the family a danger to the mother's well-being and and this is where um, you know, honestly, where we're going to leave off this story of this episode, because this is where they called in Ed and Lorraine Warren, famous paranormal investigators, to try and get some answers and try and see if there's a way they can get these ghosts or demons, entities, out of the house. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, what we do want to cover, though, is just a, a quick update on... 
or background on the the history of the of the house of the old Arnold estate, right? So, um, it was built in 1736. The Arnold estate was a was a home to eight generations of families before the parents purchased the property. Oh, so they're the first ones to to purchase it outside of the outside of the Arnold like family. Well, so that's what I was trying to find out because that's what I initially thought, but then Bathsheba and her and Judson's uh, Thayer or last name, like the, the names didn't match up. So I don't know if they were extended family and it kind of moved from maybe cousins to cousins to the last name change, uh, or if it was just eight generations of you know different families, maybe five being Arnold and two being a different family and one being another family. But um, you know. It doesn't matter really. For, no, it doesn't sake, matter. Just, just continue. The eight generations of, of, of people lived there, families lived uh, on the property before the parents purchased it. Um, with many of the previous Arnold family and other occupants meeting very sudden and dark fates. So uh, in the 18th century, again, the 1700s, Mrs. John Arnold, so that'd be the wife of John Arnold, unless. John was a common female name back in the day. <laughs> sure, that's it's my legal name, so I hope not. But uh, Mrs. John Arnold, the 90-year-old matriarch of the family, hung herself in the barn. And she turned out just to be one of min, many grisly suicides to take place on the property. Uh, 11-year-old Prudence Arnold was raped and murdered inside the home by uh, someone who worked on the farm for the family. So a farmhand raped and murdered one of the 11-year-old children of the Arnold family. Another family, yeah, it's it's heavy shit (laughs) for sure. Another family member named Johnny also hung himself in the attic of the house. And there were two more incidents involving two more Arnolds drowning in a creek that ran through the land as well as four men who had mysteriously died and who apparently froze on the land several years before. So, like, very, very strange shits going all all around this. Like, obviously, you know, hanging or being raped and murdered, but, like, could you imagine, like, maybe for the ones that froze to death, like we want to talk about like not knowing you're dead. Maybe they, they fell asleep in the cold and they, they like froze to death in their sleep and they never knew they died. Like it, it's just a lot of weird shit going on. It's a lot of weird shit. And it's also just like, like you, you basically cursed yourself for this being a haunted area of activity. Like this is so many tragic things happening at once. And this also breaks our uh, theory of, uh, you know, people who are lost souls, like walking around, not knowing they died. All these people knew they died. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I think that's a good place to leave off, uh, you know, before we get into part two, uh, which we're going to expedite and, and get out as soon as we can, uh, which will be, again, about the the Warrens coming to the property and, and trying to exercise these ghosts uh, out of the house. Yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be next week's episode uh, for sure, and you know I'm I'm excited to jump into them because you have said some things about them that you aren't really a fan of them. I mean, I, I know you're a fan of them, but I don't mind them. But they are they're, they're a very they controversial paranormal. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I don't really know why. Actually, like 
I can't wait to learn why. Actually, I feel so well, newbie when it comes some, to the ghost. Some world. people think that everything's legit and they're helping people, and then some people think they're all frauds and they're just doing it for fame and they're not really helping anybody, but rather hurting them. Um, so you know, it just kind of goes, you know, either way. It just depends on on the type of person you are. Yeah, and well, uh, it depends on the type of person you are, and and a lot of people. This is such an easy like ghost uh, sightings, ghost hauntings are such an easy thing to overlook and um, try to explain rationally in your head but there's just too much that happens in certain stories where you, you can't explain it with rationality and there has to be something deeper to it and that's what i think is so fun about ghost stories and crazy exactly and this is one of the best this is one of the best, absolutely. I mean, this one, and, and I think it's the Edenfield uh, Haunting, the, what The Conjuring 2 is based on. Uh, yeah, Edenfield. Ed, Ed, Edenfield, excuse me. So, yeah, like, I, I can't wait to dive into that one, too. Um, so, yeah, tune in next time. Uh, oh, no, sorry, Enfield, uh, Enfield. Enfield, and that's in England, right? Correct, yeah. It's a yeah, yeah. Across the Ed Pond, eh? Just a little hop, skipping and jump across the pond. But uh, we're going to dive into the Warrens next time, maybe talk a little bit about that, actually, and just a little bit of their cases. Uh, And I can't wait, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But thank you very much, everyone, for tuning in to Based on Real Events. I am Jay Kington, uh, alongside my dear friend, EJ Goldlip. Stay tuned. Part two coming out next week. Part two, baby. Over and out. See you guys next week. Thank you.